She's done running from her past. We are the Spy Fi Guys, and this is Black Widow. Hello and welcome back to the Spy Fi Guys, where we cover spy fact, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Zach. And I'm Christian. And welcome to a Dead Drop episode. Yeah, so this is, well, basically just like the one we did for Without Remorse, but we didn't have the cool name then. We decided we're going to call these Dead Drops, which are bonus episodes where it's a movie that has just come out and we're going to try to get it in within, you know, a few weeks rather than waiting to put it on our usual schedule. That's right. We just drop it in because Mm -hmm. it's the 60s summer, but this is not fitting with the 60s summer. It is, in fact, the present. Well, actually, now that I think about it, when did Black Widow first come out in the comics? It was in the 60s, wasn't it? So, I don't know. There's a subtle tie. Right. We were talking about the MCU movie Black Widow. Go talking spoilers about most of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, particularly, you know, any of the Avengers films, Captain America film, Falcon and Winter Soldier. So if you haven't watched basically anything... Uh, you know you how have. the MCU works at this point. You got to do your homework well, before you no, watch it. That's the thing. And I mean, we'll get in more into this. I, the thing that I appreciated about this is that I've, similar to like Captain Marvel, you really don't need to know too much about the wider universe to actually get this film. You know, it gives you that extra bonus information. Well, there are a lot of references to the larger Marvel universe, mm-hmm. but it also felt pretty self-contained, which exactly, I Exactly, yeah. Do you have the synopsis from IMDb? Sure. Natasha Romanoff confronts the darker parts of her ledger when a dangerous conspiracy with ties to her past arises. Yeah, so we start in Ohio, of all places. I was not expecting, like, of all the intros for this, I was not expecting Ohio. And we meet young Natasha Romanoff when she's, you know, what, eight years old or something like that? Possibly something like that. And her sister. And I was thinking at this part, oh, man, are they going to retcon it so that she's actually an American (laughs) who's lived in Russia for a long time? Interesting. No, we meet her sister, Yelena, as well as her parents, Alexi and Melina. What we find out here is that they're, yeah, unlike Zach's theory, they are not that. What they are is a sleeper cell. Right, which have existed in the real world, I'm sure we'll talk about, in fact, versus fiction. But also, it was in the TV show The Americans, which Mm -hmm. we have not covered, but that's what it reminded me of. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Let's see, things that happen here, we, you know, we see Natasha and Yelena playing. Natasha has, like, dyed blue hair, but you can still see her, like, red roots, so you know it's her. What do you think of the casting of, like, the kids? Like, I could definitely see this as, like, a young Scarlett Johansson. I didn't really have strong thoughts about either of them. Okay. I just keep thinking, never work with children or actors. And I know that only applies children to... Children or animals. Oh, yeah, yeah, children or animals. Actors, right? kind of hard to not work with actors if you're in movies. Try to work with actors as little as possible in movies. <laughs> <laughs> or the George Lucas uh, standby of his two directions faster and more intense. There you go. Though so I yeah. will say, I noticed in this part, did you notice this, where you can kind of sense there's something wrong because Galena hurts herself and Rachel uh-huh. Weiss is not the most sympathetic to her. She's like, I didn't she's like that. you're okay. It's fine. Let's, let's okay. keep going. You don't have kids, and neither do I. But I know that if you make a bigger deal about it, they will cry more. So if you say you're okay, you're okay, then they're, and you let them know that they're okay, they're not going to freak out as much, and they won't make a big deal about it. That's true in real life. But I'm wondering if, because this is a movie, they're trying to drop hints that she's not her real mother. 
I don't think so. Okay. So we meet, yeah, Melina, who's the mom, uh, um, and we meet uh, David Harbour's character, Alexi, who is the dad. And so they have dinner time. Once Alexi gets home, he starts talking to Melina and is like, you know, it's time time to run. They get all their gear and N- Natasha's at the table, like right there. They're not, they don't even eat. They're like right about to eat and then they, they have to leave. And she's like, you can see in her eyes, she does not want to go back. Uh-huh. Well, they have been told that this is going to have to happen. Mm-hmm. True. Even the kids seem to be aware of it. And Yelena seems to take it harder than Natasha does. Mm, other and, way around, I think. think. No, Yelena okay. doesn't really know exactly what it is, what's happening. She, I mean, she knows that they're like what Alexi says. You know, remember how we? I said we we're going to have that big adventure, and so Yelena's excited going right. with Alexi to get things. But uh, Natasha realizes what this means, and she's like, it "Means I have to go back," and she is not happy about it. Yeah, I guess it gets revealed later that Yelena suffers more longer-term consequences of all of that. Yeah. Yes, but in this moment, no. Yelena's excited for an adventure ready to go. Right. So then also, he's like, I inf- I completed my mission because I have this desk. This floppy mm-hmm. A desk, floppy disk. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, it's 1995. I don't think we actually set the date, but yes. Yeah. Does this ever come back later? Yes. The whole desk thing? Yes. I, I didn't remember. Wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I will explain it to you. Okay, fine. Natasha's grabbing this like photo album and like uh, Melina says not to bring it and they drive away. And as they're driving away, Yelena says, I want my song. And so they pop in a cassette tape. Remember those American pie and they all sing along. Yeah. A very age appropriate song for her. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know about that six, but I knew that song when I was young and I had no idea what it was about. Mm, no one okay. does. Well, I have a niece who is six, and she listens to Free to Be You and Me and Travel and Magic and Journey into Space, and your face indicates that none of this sounds familiar, uh-uh. but it was certainly familiar to me growing <laughs> up. So, All right. Moving Anyways, on. So they get to an airfield, and there's like a small two-engine plane there. The girls are getting the plane ready, and Alexi moves like a, what is it, like a dumpster or a trailer or something mm-hmm. with strength so hey that's our first indication there's something up with him that's right a bunch of shield agents show up in in these you know shield branded vans and start <laughs> like chasing after them because of course every shield you know vehicle has the giant branding on it so you're more of an mcu guy than i am do you remember when shield was founded because it yes. existed in the 90s because of we know that in captain marvel yep technically yeah. in like late 40s okay Actually, we, we get a little bit of that in there's a one Marvel one shot with called of Agent Carter where you know it's revealed that she she was one of the founders of Shield, which um, is carried over into the flashback in Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. where you see her like picture in like the, the base. That would be a pretty good movie. Yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, there is a sh- well not about sh- the founding of Shield, but there is a show about Agent Carter, which I recommend. The S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are going after them. Melina starts the plane without Alexi because Alexi's out there trying to fight off the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. And he, like, uses some, you know, super soldier speed to catch up to the plane as it's taking off and jumps on the wing. And as this is going on, the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are also shooting at Melina and she gets hit. And so as a result, Nat has to get up into the, you know, co-pilot seat and 
start to you know pull back on the on the yoke to get them airborne while uh, Alexi is still on the wing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That all happens, and this was a pretty good start to the movie. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was yeah, it's good action, and it wasn't like a CGI blob fest. Mm-hmm. And it felt like a spy movie, which mm-hmm. this movie was trying to be at some points. Yeah, so they take off and they land in Cuba. Alexi gives a disc to General Drakov, who we've heard of before. Yeah, I don't remember if we have. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the Avengers, twenty twelve. Okay, yeah. I mean, come on. So, that was nine. That was nine years ago. I do not remember that. Okay. Well, anyway, so I'm just going to go into a particular reference. I will get into because in the scene where you know she goes to Loki to try to get information out of him when he's in the you know Magneto style prison, right? The plastic prison. Yeah. She, he's talking about all the red in her ledger, and he mentions a Sao Paulo fire, Drakov's daughter, mm-hmm. all this like all this stuff that she terrible things she's done. So once I heard Drakov, I was like, oh, we're going to go into this, are we? Just like the tagline said, they're doing some more Black Widow backstory. Mm-hmm. Something else about this scene is we learned that apparently the two daughters were already going to be Black Widows or like in the Super mm-hmm. Spy well, program. Well, already before in the they, program. So Yeah, before yeah. they even went to the U.S., which was surprising. Which is, was it? I, well, I thought they were going to be born and raised in the U.S. Oh, no. As so, like true sleeper mm-hmm. agents. But as it turns out, no. Which raises why, or explains why Natasha doesn't want to go back, because she's been in the Red Room before. That's correct. So I'm just wondering a little bit here. She's already gotten some spy training and indoctrination, but she can still sort of think for herself. So I'm surprised that she didn't try to just defect to the U.S., Make a I break mean, for. at that point, how like she doesn't have the means or knowledge of how to do that. I guess it's unclear what exactly has happened to her before they went to the United States. If the movie doesn't explain it. I guess we're never going to know. But maybe that would have helped to clear up some of that. I don't think it's essential. All you need to know is that she doesn't want to go back. One, we'll get more of sort of what happened to them in the credit scene. Mm-hmm. Like Yelena. Like, yeah, she was, you know, she's only what six at this point, so she doesn't really know, you know, what like like I said, wasn't know what's what exactly the red room is, or she doesn't maybe she's been through it, but probably doesn't remember because they're taken when they're very young. Yeah, and she's you know, like trying to go to Melina because Melina's you know been shot, and she's trying to see her mom, but like the troops are like telling her to back away, and then Nat pulls the gun out of one of the soldiers' holsters and like protecting Yelena and saying, you know, I'll kill you all in Russian. Right, which seems to indicate that she has, like, spy fighting abilities. Mm -hmm. Or she's just got the will and the, you know, balls to do it. Like I said, I don't want to keep harping on this, but I think it's interesting that she's willing to, like, shoot people, but she's not willing to just run away when it looks like she's going to go back to Russia and effectively be tortured for the next Okay, but to be fair, to her, that's her family, and it's hard to run away from that. Yes, Dominic Toretto, I know this movie's all about family. So it does kind of make sense that she would go nuts when protecting her family. Although, mm-hmm. and this is going to be more in the case of the movie later, I'm not really sure that I bought that they had these like huge emotional connections after three years together. Because three years isn't that long. I know it's during the formative years. It, three For a I even know. kid, a three, three years is an eternity. But then why have it be three years? So you're making the movie. Why not have it be like five years or seven years? I don't know. I mean, okay, that's arbitrary. I like, I don't know. It's a little bit of like telling 
okay, the premise of the movie is they feel like a family and then the family is fractured. Okay, fine. I was just going to have to go with it, but I'm not sure that I bought it. Okay. Alexi tells him to calm down, Is like tells him that, you know, my, my girls are the strongest and they, everything will be okay. And then they trank the girls and put them on a plane. And this is where we get our, like, credits scene. This is interesting because most Marvel u- movies don't have a credit scene like this. It's usually just the titles and they have the, all their credits in the, you know, after the movie. Yeah, that sounds right. I don't really yeah. remember. So this is it's been it's been like over a year and a half since there's been a new mcu movie okay but in the credits this is this is some dark stuff because we get mm-hmm. that you see the girls being transported in shipping containers which reminds me of human trafficking did it remind you of human trafficking it's supposed to that was the intention yeah but and then like drakov's going around saying like remove all the defects mm-hmm. you also get shots of the red room and like the training facility is there. They're watching cartoons to learn more about Western culture. We see like some ballet training. And intercut with all this, we're seeing Drakov like in world events, meeting with Putin, meeting with Bill Clinton, faraway surveillance photos of Natasha in different world events too. So that was a cool thing. And it was all set to like a very moody version of uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah, very what we would expect for like a Jason Bourne type movie, spy movie, which is what this is. Or like a darker James Bond title opening. Mm-hmm. So we cut to 21 years later, and this is post-Civil War, as in post-MCU Civil War, not the American Civil War. It is also post that, though. Well, so yes. So here's, <laughs> here's a question for you. Oh, yeah? Why didn't they make this movie during the five-year gap in Endgame? Why? It wouldn't have made sense. The story would have had to be completely different. Yes. I acknowledge that. But my thoughts is Black Widow was around. She yes. wasn't snapped. We haven't had a movie that takes place entirely during the snap. Yes. So there's rooms for stories there, and we don't really know what Black Widow was doing during we that. We know that she, well, we get the sense of that from, from Endgame, that she's basically been this, like, the Nick Fury-style person who's giving out all the missions and handling all the world events. See? And that wouldn't be a Black Widow movie. That would be like another Avengers movie. Well, then you have her go on her own adventure or whatever. The reason why I wanted that is because a lot of people were saying that this movie is unnecessary because, A, we know Black Widow is dead, which is not a criticism <laughs> I personally agree with. But mm-hmm. also, they were like, it takes place so long ago. Like, back when Obama was president is when this movie was set, if I recall correctly. Natasha is on the run from General Ross. They're looking for her in this building. And like he, she calls uh, General Ross to surround him and say, don't do this. It look, makes you look desperate. And they barge in the door and find she is not there. They did the same thing in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Where they are searching for Ethan and that he's in uh, Paris but or Cuba, but he's actually in Paris. Yeah, so I knew like, I had seen that before. Like in Spies, they love having someone oh, yeah. kick the door and it's like a phone just playing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I like that a lot. So next to Morocco, where we, Elena is and stabs their target, but as she's got you know dying, she doses Elena with this red chemical mist, and that sort of snaps Elena out from her haze, and she realizes what she and like the woman says like free the others, and so Elena grabs the vial. Uh, we go to. General Drakov, who is getting hearing that, you know, Yelena's gone rogue and Widows asked for permission to activate the Taskmaster protocol. So we meet Taskmaster, who's in the comics is this, you know, ferocious fighter who, like and mercenary who 
basically has a photographic memory and that allows him to basically mimic anything and any fighting style that he's ever seen. His power is he can copy the moves of anything he watches. So there was a character in Heroes that could do the same thing. I don't know how long you watched Heroes, but in one of the later seasons, there's this girl who watches professional wrestling and she sees someone do a professional wrestling move and then she does it later Mm because she has the same power. So in the comics, the Taskmaster has a real personality. He like is a mercenary, but he kind of has a sense of humor. He's definitely a bad guy. He's kind of like Deadpool, I guess, but not as Deadpoolish, in my understanding. Would you agree? Sure. Now, in contrast, in this movie, Taskmaster is a robot and is like bleep bloop. I am a robot. I am a robot. Which I would have preferred a little bit more personality, but on the other hand. The power, like the ability to copy other people's moves mm-hmm. and do them, makes a lot more sense if the character doing it is a robot. Yeah, well, okay, not a literal robot. Not a literal robot, but like some kind of cybernetic, as opposed to just a human with a superpower. Yeah, no, it, 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 I, I feel like it does as well. Like, that's just, it's kind of ridiculous in the comics. Mm-hmm. The kind of power that uh, Amazo has. Where they can, you know, duplicate stuff and not like a normal human for any DC stuff. Anyways, so what do you think of the design of Taskmaster? I thought it was pretty good. Like, you can't have the full on skull face with the ridiculous pie boots. The boots, whatever. But the Taskmaster skull face, I think you could. And the cape and the hood. These MCU guys know what they're doing. They could get away with that. (laughs) Okay. I mean, they at least had the hood. And I didn't think it looked bad. Some of the haters I saw were like, oh, it looks like a G.I. Joe villain or it looks like a Power Rangers villain. Mm. I no, thought it I was thought, fine. I thought this was a good way to adapt, you know, you know, the essence of it and still have it there. And I still have all the color, the blue and orange coloring without it be looking completely ridiculous. Yeah, the Syracuse University colors. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Anyway, so we, as we meet Taskmaster, Taskmaster. They're uh, in a room uh, with a bunch of screens, and they're watching Avengers fights. I think particularly this one was the uh, fight between Hawkeye and Black Widow in Civil War. Natasha is in Norway. She's driving to the middle of nowhere, and she has this trailer set up. And there's a guy in her bed who we find out his name is Mason, and he's basically a supplier. He can get whatever she needs. And this guy is just the nicest guy in the world. He'll just do anything for her, basically, as long as he gets paid. yeah, as he as you can say, he's getting paid. Well, I would have been great if he had betrayed her, because he's like, sorry, love, I found someone who would pay me more. That would have been cool. It's just like such a cliche. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This movie's full of cliches. Hidden fortress, falling out of the sky, betrayal, yeah, whatever. We don't need one more of like all right. So <laughs> okay. he also has brought back mail from the Budapest safe house, which in event in the first Avengers movie, you know, we hear all these references to, to the Budapest mission that Hawkeye and Black Widow went on. And so right. she said could have just dumped it and she like puts it into her car to go toss it all in the trash later on. And so this part I loved. She's in, you know, her trailer at night uh, on a laptop watching Moonraker. <laughs> so on the one hand, I like that the movie was citing its sources because this yeah. movie was clearly heavily influenced by Moonraker. Or just James Bond movies in general. Yeah, but if you're going to say Moonraker specifically, you have the unkillable henchman. Mm, okay. That she fights while falling through the sky. True. Enough. And the hidden base. And the army of women in cat suits. Which that's more of a re- general James Bond thing. Yeah. Than Moonraker specifically. Yeah. So I have to say, I'm not really sure that I buy that 
Black Widow is someone who watches movies and quotes the dialogue along with it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exactly seem consistent with what we've seen of her. I know they are trying to make her more likable. Yeah, even spies have to have you know downtime and just need to relax. I understand hmm. your message that spies need to relax sometimes. Though it reminds me of a Judge Dredd comic I read once, where it's just about okay. home and he's in an armchair reading a book that says law on it. <laughs> now, I'm pretty sure that was supposed to be a joke, but like I would have liked to have seen something like that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just hilarious that of all the Bond movies for her to watch, she picks one that is, and I will say unfairly, but very much maligned. Mm-hmm. The, her power goes out, and it finds out her generator's out of gas. And as she's driving, she's apparently listening to a Sia song from like 2015, so that actually lines up with the timeline. Mm-hmm. Car gets hit by a missile. She it gets thrown like and tumbles a lot, and she almost like gets thrown off a bridge. Taskmaster mm-hmm. approaches in a truck, starts shooting at him, but he blocks with like a Captain America style shield. And they start fighting. They start doing some mirror moves. Like she does her signature, you know. I think it's like a luchador move where you run at them and grab them with the legs and swing them around by the head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Someone in the DC Stone Coalition can do that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a cool a D- move. Yeah, it's very impressive looking. So I think it's interesting that the Taskmaster has a Captain America shield, but as we mm-hmm. learned from Falcon and the Winter Soldier, apparently they're not that hard to make. Well, yeah, like, but... You can um, make new ones. Yeah, but that um, John Walker shield was terrible. It did well, not sure. work well. I mean, This it's, does. It's not the same, but you can still make it, is the idea. Yeah, but, but this is much more effective yes. than It does Walker's stop bullets. And yes. it, it does come back if it, well, it can come back if it's thrown. So basically in this scene, the Taskmaster shows himself, herself to be really good at fighting and fairly easily defeat Black and Widow in a not straight just up that, But you can start like I could start seeing moves of different characters, like when he like uh, at one point Nat uses one of her like a web line, basically, you like pull him, you pull him up to the to the roof of the or top of the bridge, and he uses some Spider-Man moves. I was like, that's definitely a Spider-Man move when he's swinging down. I was like, I really, really appreciated it. I could see all the moves of the different Avengers as Taskmaster was doing them. Mm-hmm. I think the one I liked the most, well, not the most, but I really liked is when you know they have the mirror thing where they both use the same uh, kick up to like get onto their feet, mm-hmm. which is always a cool move that I've always wanted to be able to do is you know when you're on your back and you just sort of like flip up <laughs> yeah keep doing those have keto classes maybe they'll tell you i mean maybe i mean i'm learning how to do like a sweeping kick which i like always seen in video games and i'm like i want to learn how to do that so i don't know whether they say it about task should we just say tm just call them tm or task uh, one thing that <laughs> one thing they say about tm is it's like fighting a mirror yep which is not how i would have written that because mirrors are not scary a mirror just sits there. Uh, I would have it say like it's like fighting the entire Avengers at once. Uh, maybe, but I mean, if you're fighting your mirror, you're fighting yourself and literally can't beat yourself. <laughs> well, you just take a mirror, you just smash it. Uh, not a literal mirror. Yes, yes, you literally. are. Anyways, as they're fighting, Nat realizes that she's not the actual target, but one of the pieces of mail that was from the Budapest safe house was actually what Taskmaster was after. Natasha grabs the vials but leaves the case, and then Taskmaster, like, kicks her off the bridge. She looks at the vials, and she also sees that there's some old photo booth pictures of her and Yelena when when they're both much younger. How did the vials get to Black Widow again? Well, Yelena sent them. Okay, so Yelena presumably 
put the the photo booth pictures in with the vials, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so please explain to me then why in the next scene when yeah. Natasha shows up at the safe house, Yelena's there pointing a gun at her. All right, I'll get to it. Okay. I like this fight scene because they like they both disarm each other in identical ways. It's a very sort of boring where, you know, Yelena grabs a knife and Nat grabs... I'm not sure what she grabs. It looked like it was a, maybe a curling uh-huh. iron, something, not an actual weapon, but just something to use to defend herself. And, like, Natasha uses a... Oh, yeah, a curtain to, like, choke out uh, Yelena. And, it, and like, they're basically at a stalemate, so they have a truce. So the reason why Yelena's there is because she didn't know if she could trust Natasha. Okay, why does it... Because she thought that she could have been controlled, potentially. But then why send her the vials? I don't know. All right, okay, this is... <laughs> This is fair. I think it's because they wanted to have a fight. So, look, I can understand why Black Widow doesn't trust Yelena, because she doesn't know that Yelena has become deprogrammed. Mm-hmm. But certainly Yelena knows that Black Widow's been deprogrammed, because Black Widow's this famous Avenger. Well, she's never, she was never programmed in that same way. Okay, fine. The point is, she knows that Black Widow is trustworthy, a good guy, if you will, because she's mm-hmm. established herself to be a good guy, whereas the vice versa is not the same. Right. But whatever. I mean, you of all people should understand sibling rivalry and that sometimes you just need to fight it out with your sibling. Uh, not like this. Okay. <laughs> not literally fight, but sometimes you just need to get, you know, get... If there's some... if there, Especially if there's deep-seated tension that has been unresolved for years, you so, just need to get that out. But what's the deep-seated tension? Is it because that Black Widow let, never tried to find never, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would have been something good to have explored further in the movie. Yelena explains that she's at the Budapest safe house because she thought Nat wouldn't wouldn't ever come back. We also see some nice arrow holes in the wall from when her and Clint had a fight there. We find out the vials are an antidote to the mind control, and Yelena sent them to Natasha so that she could bring them to the Avengers and was like waiting for news of the Avengers taking down the Red Room. And at this point, we find out that Natasha doesn't know that the Red Room's still active. She says that, you know, she killed Drakov, and so... This is where we get the first mention again of Dracov's daughter. And as they're about to get into that, the widows attack. Okay, I thought of three of our previous episodes while watching this movie. Okay. The first one I will give away immediately, which was Night and Day, because it's, I think, really the only movie we've done that was like superhero, or rather secret agent as superhero movie, where it's basically just an action movie, and the main character is a secret agent. It explains why they can do all this stuff. So that's the first one. The other one, yeah. the widow is going to be thinking of it. Can you guess which movie? No. The answer is Spy Kids. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. For two reasons. So the first is these widows are spies, but they wear cat suits and they run around on rooftops with guns, which is very yes. much a Spy Kids, a Spy Kids portrayal of how a spy operates. I mean, it's the classic Black Widow outfit too. No, I'm aware of that. But the point is, spy kids, they think gadgets and explosions. As It's not the spy who came in from the cold, in other words. Well, okay? obviously not. <laughs> right. And then the second we will discuss later. Also, okay. I know the spy kids. They escape up to the roof. They use this chimney to escape. One of the widows like also grabs on, but falls off. Nat tries to save her, but she doesn't. Or the like, widow refuses to be saved, basically. And Nat falls down, too, and hits like a bunch of stuff on the way down. I'm like, she should be dead. Yeah, it was a very common criticism of this movie that Black Widow gets injured a lot, but the injuries don't stick. That is to say... Like, this is the one that was the more... most glaring for me. 
Right. It was like so, a Fast and Furious style of, oh, if, as long as you hit something on the way down, even if it's not, even if it's hard, you'll be okay. Yeah. It didn't bother me that much because it's just a movie. Uh, I did like, oh, though, no. in this... Let me, let me, let, can, can we isolate that clip and I'm just going to replay it to you every time you make criticism? Of a superhero movie? Of something in this movie that's inane? Yeah, that's fine. I think <laughs> it bothers me less because I'm used to seeing it. Okay. Like indestructible heroes, again, like in Fast and Furious. But I think what I liked about this part was that not all of her actions are like perfect. Like yeah, sometimes enough, she messes yeah. up, sometimes she mm-hmm. falls, sometimes she doesn't save the person she wants to save, which yeah. I I like. That's fair. But as she as she lands, she goes to the fallen widow, who she's like is you can clearly see she's got like a broken leg, mm-hmm. at least. And the fallen widow is like against her will, forced to like by her programming to kill herself with her like this, the stingers that they have on their wrist. Yeah, Draco tells her with his iPad. There's an iPad button that mm-hmm. says terminate. Yep. So Yelena and Nat get to her bike. Taskmaster is after them at, in a tank. Not a tank. It doesn't have a turret. Well, it's more like an armored personnel carrier or something like well, that. Well, what it made me think of was the thing in uh, Fast the Fast and Furious Nine. Like right, that, except like just similar. one segment of that. Not a not a tank, but it's an armored some of but it like moved fast too. Yeah, it that's slow. right. Yeah. So something I liked at this part was that TM continued to be effective and scary, just like Jaws. Mm-hmm. So like for example, there wasn't a lot of them driving and the taskmaster shooting at them and always missing. Ineffectively, because, yeah. <laughs> right. Like the one part where he uses a bow and arrow, it mm-hmm. hits perfectly. Mm-hmm. I like this chase too. Uh, it reminded me a little of the chase in Paris in, in Mission Possible Fallout, where you know you go from bikes to a car to a foot chase and other stuff. So it's like That's you right. know, multi-part stuff. But and the action here was good. Like I liked when they stole a car and Elena like opens the door to knock over a widow on a bike, and they slide down an escalator, and Taskmaster you know, throws the shield after them, which narrowly misses them. Yeah, the, the and, shield sticks into a thing, which we've seen like a bunch of times now, having much stuck in the Winter cool. Soldier. It doesn't get old, no. No. Taskmaster follows them and sees this blood trail down to like some service areas, but they're actually hiding up in a vent. Mm-hmm. And we find out that this vent is where her and Hawkeye hid for, you know, two days while trying to escape Budapest. I wonder what they got up to in that vent. Well, he was, they, there's no romantic interest between the two of them. I didn't say anything oh. about that. Okay. I merely implied it. All right. So is this where they talk about Dreykov's daughter in detail? Yes, and this is where you're going to talk about Munich. That's right. That was the second movie. Except unlike Eric Bianca Munich, Scarlett Chance is like, ah, let's just kill her, click. Well, it's not even that. So let, let, let's set the scene before we talk about it. So yeah, her killing Dreykov was basically like the way to make sure that he was actually there was that Natasha knew, you know, Dreykov's daughter and saw Dreykov's daughter enter the building. and once. She, she entered the building and greeted her de- you know, Drakov, and they got a confirmation that Drakov was actually there. So that's when they blew the building. So it's like the complete opposite of that scene in Munich, where they stopped the explosion because the daughter is there. I know. That's what I'm getting at. I'm agreeing with you. Yes. No, yeah, yeah. But where do you think that our big hero uh-huh. is like effectively a child killer? Well, I mean, that's kind of why they had to not do that. <laughs> Well, I, I'm not sure how to feel about it. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit unfortunate that they undid it. It's kind of like Chewbacca's death in The Rise of Skywalker. It's really emotional, <laughs> and then they just go back and undo it. They didn't really stop and think what this means for our character. Well, like, they asked Black Widow directly, what do you feel about this? And she just said, it's collateral damage. Yes, it's sorry that Draco's daughter died, but he was ruining the lives of thousands of other girls just like her, and he needed to be stopped, and this was the only mm-hmm. way to do it. Yeah, I mean... I don't like it, but we know, I mean, that's been her motivation ever since Avengers, like, for, at least from us knowing about it, is that she has read in her ledger. She's done terrible things, and this is what she's been doing to try to clear her ledger. Well, sure, but there's red in the ledger, and then there's killing a child. I mean, that's literally what Loki says, that you're, that, that's when he mentions Drakov's daughters. Like, you're, he says, you know, not to just start quoting Loki, but, you're, you know, Ledger is gushing red, dripping out, and then and, and like saying you're a terrible monster. Basically, is what Loki says to her, which is something That's coming fine. from Loki. So, I mean, I, I guess I'm not. I'm actually because I remembered the reference of Drakov's daughter in the Avengers. I wasn't surprised by it. Yeah, no, that's fine. I think if the movie were more about this. I would have liked them to stick with it and really unpack the moral implications of it because that does happen in the real world, right? You're a drone pilot and Osama bin Laden is, yeah. is you got him, but he's he has a kid next to him. Like, what do you do? It's not a hypothetical question, but that's also not what the movie's yeah, about. Fair enough. It's not that kind of movie. <laughs> Here's personally, I know I like to rewrite the movie and sometimes it's good and sometimes mm-hmm. it's bad. I admit it's usually mm-hmm. bad. But I would have had her, Drake, here, there's Dracop, hit him, blow it, boom, he's dead. We think he's dead. And then it's like, oh no, his daughter died in it too. Like, she killed her. So, okay. That makes a big difference. Fair enough, yeah, all right. So they go to a gas station to get some first aid supplies. We, this is where we find out that apparently the Red Room is you know, not in a single location anymore. It's just constantly moving. And they stayed off Nat's radar because... Oh, get one after her you know you'd have all the avengers after them basically and they didn't want that this is where we also find out that natasha thought yelena had gotten out after she thought the red room was destroyed and was hoping that she was just sort of living a normal life and this is also where we get one of my favorite like one of my favorite parts is when yelena's teasing natasha about all the posing yes so i like meta jokes i'm just sort of like how would she know about the posing it's not like black widow operates in front of the camera she kind of does as an Avenger now. Yeah, okay. I liked it when she talks about it. I didn't like it when they brought it back so much. It was a little funny. People thought well, it was okay. great. I thought it was a little bit funny. All right, all right. So I had a thought. I don't think the movie was necessarily implying this, but I thought it would have been cool if Dracov was like, the Avengers just broke up, like in Civil War, which just happened. So now is my opportunity to start making moves. Start assassinating people. Start kidnapping more people. Start expanding my power. Fill the vacuum left behind by the Avengers. Hmm. Okay. I don't think they ever did that in a movie. Well, I mean, there's a little bit of that in Black Panther. You can you can see that um, what's his face, the guy Claw, is like making more moves because the Avengers are you know sort of broken up. Okay, good. That's what I was looking for. I just didn't remember okay. that part. Okay. The, that is not the implication of the movie. The movie is implying that basically the entire time the Red Room's active, so from like the four, 40s to now, that they've just been behind the scenes and everything. Like Hydra. It's been going basically. the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, how many secret societies are there in this fictional universe? Uh, Hydra, 
Leviathan, which is connected to Russia, so it's probably t- it's tied into the Red Room. Uh, oh, and AIM Serpent is only Society. like a recent thing. The Serpent Society right. is not a thing yet. as of yet. It's not revealed yet. From Yelena, that it was since the widow of Melina's generation got the formula and synthesized a counter. Okay. And that was the woman who she killed, Oksana. It somehow got to her. No, that's she's the, the one who synthesized it. Yeah. I want to free all the other widows. And she's like, and that's what she says to Yelena. She's dying. Free the others. But yeah, so we find out that the way this thing works, when Nat was in the red room, it was all psychological control. And whereas, you know, it's a completely different thing here where basically they make your mind so clouded. You don't know. You're still fully conscious, but you don't sort of know which one parts you and which parts them, which one, you know, who's giving the, you know, whose thoughts are whose. Wow, what a great idea to use technology because technology never fails. It never gets taken over by a bad actor. You never forget your password. It's, it's not dumb. technology. Isn't it, though? No, it's genetics. It's biology. Well, it's not psychological is what I mean by technological. If you can get a mist spray in your face and okay. it disappears altogether, I'm sorry, I call that but my, you know, I'm pretty sure you don't need Missed a password to activate some mist. <laughs> <laughs> if you can get be controlled via an iPad, if someone steals that iPad or that ring later, okay. and it can fail, there you go. Yes, but psychological, you can break that and you can break free of it. I mean, look, no system for controlling assassins is perfect. I'm not claiming that there mm. is. I'm just saying I see some very, very obvious flaws with Dreykov's plan here. But... I do concede that sometimes modern problems require modern solutions. All right. So we find out that, yeah, so he's been taking children and making them into widows. Also, this is where we see Yelena's vest that she's very proud of with all the pockets in it. And Natasha invites her to go with her to kill Dracov and shut down the Red Room. Yay, party. So this is interesting to me that she said it's the first piece of clothing she actually bought for herself. And she, there's a real sense of pride in that. And did okay. you recognize this vest? Well, doesn't she wear it when she's blonde in Infinity War? Yep, she being okay. Natasha. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, but she also tells Natasha that you know she'll help her, but she doesn't actually know where the Red Room is. She knows someone who might, but they'll need a jet. Smash cut to Mason, who does not have a jet for them, but a Russian chopper and a bunch of supplies. They take the chopper and go to a Russian prison, where we find Alexei. And he's gained a bit of weight. He's arm wrestling all these other prisoners while getting a tattoo and also telling stories about fighting Captain America in 1983. But here's something. So those of you who follow the MCU will know that this movie was delayed due to COVID. It was supposed to come out, yep. I believe, in 2020? 20. Okay. Yeah, 2020. But the fact it's been delayed now, we have watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier, so we know that Steve Rogers is not the only American super soldier in history, which means there very well could have been one in the 80s, and Alexei was not lying when he said he fought Captain America, though it seems like nobody else in the prison actually believes him. They're just not willing to call him on it. Well, there's one person who calls him on it, and when he does, Alexei breaks his arm during (laughs) during the arm wrestling. Yeah, and we really get to see the broken arm, which I... (laughs) Anyway, so Alexei gets called over to the guards. He's got some mail. And he was apparently sent a cake and a little Red Guardian toy. Which Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not not sure you mentioned that. We didn't really mention that he was basically the Red Guardian. Mm -hmm. 
like very Captain America inspired outfit. And so like the I like this the little Red Guardian toy like played a little tune and it like had a pull string to like say a phrase in Russian. Uh, but like the head pops off and inside the head is an earpiece and Natasha's on comms tells him to and he like knocks out the guards and she even says like you know go this way but don't make a scene but of course he makes a scene Elena brings the chopper closer Nat jumps down does her pose uh, right and then the guard and guards start shooting up the chopper as that's happening Yelena puts on the autopilot grabs an RPG fires it at that guard who is shooting at her and causes an avalanche yeah, the avalanche is ridiculous. As this is going on, <laughs> rescues Alexi and they escape. What do you think? I liked the fight scene. It was good. It was oh, pretty over the top. So on the one hand, I uh-huh. like that this was the only time that Red Guardian actually gets to do cool stuff in the whole movie, as opposed to just getting beaten up by people. Okay. Also, it didn't make a lot of sense that there's this minigun in a prison. <laughs> Fair. It seems like the kind of thing you wouldn't want prisoners to get their hands on. Also, Unless you had some very high-profile prisoners who you really don't want getting out. Well, then they should have done a better job securing <laughs> it, because they really did not. He was in general population and everything. So then yeah. the avalanche was cool, but it didn't make a lot of sense that it would be like able to bury an entire prison building in the snow with like 50 feet of spray. <laughs> didn't bother me. I did like how if it's in Russia, it has to be in the snow because it's snowy in Russia. There's no part well, of I Russia. I presume this is like snowy. a Siberian prison. No, I, we I don't actually know which part of Russia this is in. Well, sure, but again, it's funny. It's like, oh, if it's a Russian prison, it's got to be in Siberia. There's no prisons anywhere else, even though it's well, the not third like a high-profile. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so once Alexi's on the chopper, I like this. So he like starts talking to them, but they can't hear him because I feel like we've talked right. about this. You've never been a chopper, right? That's right. So I have. And yeah, it is literally without the headphones and the mics, it is impossible to hear anyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're talking, can't hear him. There's this, ooh, this joke. Yeah, you <laughs> Where mean he was the, like, uh... yeah, like, what? You know, all the animosity is like, oh, what, is it your time of your uh, time? Is it your time of the month? I was like, oh, God. Oh, that, really, Alexi? That was the joke you didn't like? I, no, I do not like when. Yeah, no. When when any time a male character assumes that it's a woman's time of the month just because they're being pissed off at them. No, that's not what I meant. That joke was bad, but then the follow up was pretty bad too. I mean, Uh, I appreciated that actually because it's like, all right, you want to talk about that? Let's talk about that. (laughs) I thought it was a little bit confusing. So on the one hand, like, hey kids, Marvel, (laughs) let's let's talk about what was the word she used. So the, they said you don't have a uterus and touches or ovaries. That's how it describes the hysterectomy, basically. Oh, hysterectomy. The fourth hysterectomy. hysterectomy. That was what I was looking for. Okay, so, haha, kids, the MCU hysterectomy is hilarious. But, I mean, also, this is not the first time we've heard about it. Well, right, but the first time we heard about it, it was an appropriate tone for the subject matter, where Black Widow was like, I'm so well, sad. Well, that's a very so controversial scene, right? actually. No, but, like, No, I gen- know it is. Yeah, but... I like this reframe, especially because this is from a female director. That mm-hmm. it's you know it's not not calling them monsters for you know, being you know sterilized. It's them taking control of it and you know using it how they want. But that's how I feel about it. Well, it's treating it as a joke, which I'm not sure mm. I was comfortable with. I don't with, think it's the but... treating it as a joke. I, I think content of what she was saying was funny. I thought it was funny that she threw it back at Alexi because, right. you know, this, I mean, you he, know you're yeah. saying this is, the, is, is your time of the month, is it? No, you should know that because you've 
forced us back into this terrible program that did this to us. Yeah, Alexei is the butt of the joke, which is better. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, I think we can move on. I think we said everything we want to say about it. Yeah. Anyway, so we find out that he doesn't know where the Red Room is either. Apparently, Drakov threw him in prison, but he says that Melina should know where it is. They thought that Melina was dead, but apparently she still works for the Red Room remotely outside of St. Petersburg. And Elena says, oh, that's not enough fuel to get there. Alexei insists there is, but of course there isn't, so they end up crashing. That's just not the worst crash. It's a funny sequence. It's yeah. comedic timing is good. It didn't really make a lot of sense to me that they would listen to Alexi about anything. Since he clearly is like a dope, but whatever. Fair. But it gives them a chance. Movies love doing this, where they're out a in nice the middle of nowhere, yeah. and they're walking, and they have no choice but to talk about their feelings. Or rather, it's not them talking yeah, about so their feelings. It's more that this bubbling resentment They have to talk to each other. Out. Yeah. Right. Because what yeah. else are you going to do? So... Alexi like asks Nat if like Cap ever mentioned him, and Nat is pissed off that after all this time and not seeing them, that he's talking to Nat about something about him and not asking about them. And like he goes on about how proud he is of them, and they're like not having any of it. Of this super awkward hug, which they like both try to get out of immediately, and then they walk the rest of the way to Melina's facility. I guess we're setting up more emotional conversations mm -hmm. we'll talk about at the time. Yeah, so Melina, we see her, and she's guiding pigs through a maze, and she gets this perimeter alert, and then sees all of them coming right on the edge of, the, of her property. Brings them inside, and they go and have a drink. Alexi puts on his Red Guardian outfit that apparently Mel Melina still had. As they're at the table, Alexi and Melina start flirting, and Natasha is trying to get info like about the Red Room, but Melina's like acting like a mom's like, you know, don't slouch and all that sort of stuff. Once she says, you know, we want to take down the Red Room, Melina just laughs at her and says, "This is a, it's a fantasy. You're never going to be able to go after him." The reason it's a fantasy is because basically Drakov can control them so precisely. And she grabs her tablet and summons a pig, which apparently can open a door and like commands it to stop breathing. First of all, a lot of people in the theater I was with were like traumatized by this part. But also, yeah, that poor I like, pig. I like that it was like, oh my gosh, is she like a bad guy still? That was really yeah. interesting. Well, I mean, she does work for the Red Room, and we find, and so we'll find out that she's actually the one who created this, the system that they use now to control the widows. Okay, so you asked, does the disc ever come back? This is where it comes back. Oh, it's like the the way that they control the widows is with the disc. What they said was their mission in Ohio was to infiltrate the North Institute, which they mentioned er earlier, which was apparently a front for Shield, although. Actually, it wasn't even S.H.I.E.L.D. It was actually HYDRA infiltrating S.H.I.E.L.D. at the time. And HYDRA had mapped the human brain as part of the Winter Soldier project. And so they used all of their research to unlock the key to mind control. So it goes back to Bucky and the mind control that they used on him. Yeah, see what I mean about how there's a lot of references to other MCU stuff, more so than in Captain True. Marvel? It's just you don't need to understand it to understand the plot, really. Because the point exactly. is, blah, no, blah, blah, don't. they have mind control now. <laughs> yeah, well, you asked why, like, was the disc ever come back? And yeah, so this is where it is. Okay. I did ask, and it was answered, so I appreciate that. Okay. So I wanted to go back to, what's her name? Malia? Melina. Whether she's bad. Melina? Rachel Wise, yeah. I would have liked if she had been like Loki and some of these other 
MCU movies where okay. she's not a good person, but she's on the side of the good guys. Whereas okay. I sort of get the impression into later back to through act three, she's basically just a good guy who's been well, no. infiltrating being a no, spy in the red room. No, you don't think that's so? not at all. No, she definitely did all these things, but she feels when she sees the her family, she realizes, especially, and we'll get, we'll get to it. Um, so right now, here's where we get all the family drama. Like Natasha yeah. is like telling everyone, like, no, you know, everyone just shut up. You know, th- our family was never real, and of course, this upsets Yelena because she basically says that this is the like this is the closest thing that she had to a real family, and she like storms off and grabs a bottle of vodka. Of course, because they're Russians. Yeah, this is like three emotional scenes, one right after another. Which ones? It was them at the dinner table? Yeah. Black Widow and Melina and Yelena and Alexi. Well, yeah, I mean, the Black Widow Melinda was really short, but still. Yeah, so Alexi goes to talk to Yelena. Nat tries to leave and like do it all on her own. And Melina, this is where we find out that apparently Natasha was not abandoned by her mother. She was actually like stolen from her family, and her mother never stopped looking for her. And so Drakov had her mother killed. Mm hmm. We find out that Melina kept the fake photo album from the beginning that she had told Natasha to leave. This is, like I said, she, this is where, you know, she was doing all those things. She created the formula and all that. But now she's sort of right. having regrets and feeling bad. So it's, I don't think she was infiltri- infiltrating it the yeah, whole okay, time. Fine. Not infiltrating it, but she's still a good person at heart. She just has made her mistakes in the past, just like her daughter in quotes. Debatable. Mark. You know, it's, I think it's more of not, she doesn't care about the larger world. What she cares about is this family. And that's why she's having regrets, not because of the terrible things that she's done. Okay. In that case, I don't understand her motivations at all. Cause if she's cared about her family, she's put in no effort like, to bring them back together. Up till this point, this is when she starts to realize to want to fight for this family. Okay. Like, I'm going to take back what I said. She did get the wheels turning when she sent out the misty stuff, but it's still a little, too little too late. And I don't really blame her children for being resentful towards yeah, her. No, I'm not defending 21 her. Years actions, later. I'm just explaining what her motivations are. Right. And we start to see she feels bad because she like tells Natasha that she had already had notified the Red Room and they'll be there within minutes. Mm-hmm. So over in the other room, Alexi's telling Yelena this like story about when he went fish ice fishing with his dad, and his hands got frozen, and his dad peed on him to keep keep him getting frost frostbitten. And Yelena's like super confused and upset, like why the hell are you telling me this? Well, he's basically being narcissistic. It's all about him, Mm -hmm. which we get the impression it's not consistent with how we saw of him in the beginning of the movie in the nineties, but it certainly is consistent with what we've seen. Since then, the characterization is a little bit confusing, yeah. and I'm not sure it really worked for me, but there you go. She's mad that whenever he talks about that mission, though, he was always talking about how bored he was of it and how it was so tedious. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to go off and be Russia's super soldier. And like she mistakes, well, she mistakenly concrimson Dynamo, who is a different character in the comics. And that's that's right. the basis for part of the character Whiplash in Iron Man 2. Mm hmm. 
but yeah, so and then like to sort of like try to get back on her good side, he shows that he remembers what her favorite song was and is singing American Pie. And as they're singing, as he's like ending the song, the spotlights outside turn on. The Red Room has arrived. They trank Alexi. Well, the hit, he hit gets hit with one trank dart at first, and he's like, "Ha! Huh, you think got one trank dart?" And then they shoot like twenty more into him, and he falls down. So they capture Nat and Yelena. And we see Melina is in the sort of classic Black Widow suit with the gold accents that we have really haven't seen yet. Which was actually in the movie poster. I just hadn't noticed mm-hmm. it before. Yep. Until yep. I watched the movie. Yeah. So next we go to Melina. She's flying a jet. Alexia's strapped in next to her. The girls are still on the floor and there's some widows in the back. And we find out here that the Red Room is a floating sort of heli platform, like a helicarrier, but an entire platform of that's just constantly staying in the air. Yeah, people really didn't like this. They thought it was dumb. But I'm like, have you not Why? seen a superhero movie before? Or a James Bond movie. Or a G.I. Joe movie. I mean, they do it all the time. I was like, oh, this makes sense. Well, I don't know about makes sense, I mean, but it's Makes sense to this universe. Sure. Like, I was you, fine okay, I mean, that. you need to have this facility that you people are going to come after. How do you hide it? Oh, you hide in the clouds. It can move wherever you want to. Perfect. Or put it under the ocean, but whatever. So we see, I, I like this. So we see some widows training. They have like their guns out and moving around, which I thought was really cool. Melina mm-hmm. enters Drakov's office, is talking with him that they've captured them. And Yelena is the only one who got exposed to the mist or to the anti counter agent. And so she's down in the lab and they're trying to find out how she resisted. And just they said, you know, cut open her brain. We see that Natasha and Alexia are in cells. And Drakov's talking with Melina and reveals that he knows that this is not actually Melina, but it's Natasha in a mask. A mask that we've seen in Winter Soldier and in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So how did he know that it was actually her? Did they explain that? Well, so what he says is that you like if when you raise a child from birth, basically, you can tell when it's actually when it's them, and and that's not something that a mask can't, no mask can hide, or something to that effect. Okay, so it's vague. So basically, if Drakov was in the Mission Impossible universe, he'd never be able to be fooled. <laughs> I think I've made my opinions on these masks clear at this eh, point. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I love the masks. I think that if you use them well, they can be good. I do like how in spy movies and also in heist movies, when it's revealed that the heroes are one step ahead of the villains the whole time. Now, this has been lampooned most famously in the Rowan Atkinson, Dr. Who, Curse of Fatal Death uh, parody <laughs> yes. spoof. Those of you who have seen mm-hmm. it will know what I'm talking about. But I was hoping they were going to do it again later, and we'll get to that when we get to it, though. All right. Down in the cells, Alexi is making this big speech to quote-unquote Natasha. He's making this whole big, long apology. Uh, but of course, Natasha is actually Melina, and she's on comms with Yelena, and she gave Yelena a blade so she can escape. And Alexi thinks that he's on comms too, and like starts to try to make his apology to Natasha again, but they only had one set of earpieces, so only Yelena and Melina have ear, you know earpieces. Right? What a dope. So the plan is that Natasha will activate her tracker so that Ross will come after them and find the Red Room. Melina will activate the landing protocol, and Yelena will free the widows. Back in Drakov's office, Natasha is like taunting Drakov and asking her what you know her mother's name was, and he taunts her back, says that we buried her, and what was her name? Oh yes, on her grave we put unknown. Like Ray's origin. (laughs) (laughs) He's taunting her about 
Antonia and say, like, oh, you know, this is your big sin. But guess what? Antonia is still alive and it's Taskmaster. <laughs> Taskmaster is actually Antonia. And apparently after the explosion, he had to put a chip in the back of her neck. And now she's a perfect mimic. And he sends her to go after uh, Yelena, Melina, and Alexi. And Natasha's like, well, you just made the stupidest mistake. You know, remove the one person who could stop me from killing you. She tries to shoot him. Like, she is physically stopped from doing it. Apparently he has some sort of pheromonal lock, is what he calls it. Which, as long as she can detect the pheromone he's giving off, she can't hurt him. What did you think about this whole pheromonal lock thing? I was okay with it because it's basically the exact opposite of something in the comics. Um, there's a character who's a clone of Wolverine, X-23, who has mm-hmm. what's called a trigger scent, where you put this scent on anyone. Like, no matter, devoid of all her own impulses, she will kill that person. So I was like, oh, it's the exact scent, uh, exact opposite of trigger. Okay, that works for me. Okay, I'm glad it worked for you. It did not work for me. I thought it was really Okay. <laughs> First of all... She's psychologically programmed to just have a psychological block in her head that she can uh-huh. never, ever hurt him. Don't do this whole pheromone thing. If they, if they did that, then how would she have been able to blow him up? Well, I'm getting to that because right. you already have established that our characters know about the pheromones already. And Tasha says, I'll just hold my breath. And they say, no, that won't work. But the point is, just have our heroes come up with a way to counteract it. Because then the scenes where he's hitting her and she's not reacting becomes so much more dramatic because she's faking and just letting herself be punched. And that is hardcore. I mean, but she is letting herself be punched. No, she's not. Yes, she can't fight back until she breaks her nose. Okay, you you missed the point of this part. So, okay, we'll we'll just get to this now since we're here. She starts taunting him. Oh, that's it? You're so weak. Why aren't you fighting me? Punch punch me harder. She's trying to get him to punch her so hard that it'll sever the nerve. So she is t- taking those punches on purpose. No, I understand that. So I, I, no, I understand what do you, what's that the now. difference? The difference is she could fight back at any time and chooses not to, oh. to lure him into a position of vulnerability. Okay, maybe. But I mean, she's still t- knowingly taking these punches. Like, even rouse him up more. So I don't I, I don't see a difference, really. Taskmaster is fighting Alexia, pulls out the Black Panther pose with the claws. Yelena is up in an air duct, and as she drops from the air duct, she does the Black Widow pose, and then immediately, like, you know, shivers. and is like, that was disgusting. I was hoping that Alexia would have a cool moment here. Oh. He doesn't have to win against the Taskmaster, because the Taskmaster is supposed to be an unstoppable villain, I was hoping he would do a little bit better than how he did. Uh, I mean, he has been in prison for, what, 20 years, and is not in fighting shape at all. So it would be a little unrealistic if he was able to actually fight him well. I understand you can explain it. It just would have been great, because he is still a super soldier, to do something super soldier-ish. Even if it's pick up like an an enormous filing cabinet... Or, like, pick up, like, an operating table and, like, throw it at Taskmaster. That would have been cool. I don't ask for very much, Christian. You know I'm happy. You've been asking for a lot. (laughs) I disagree. So Melina's trying to animate the landing sequence, but Drakov locks it down. And, yeah, so this is where, yeah, we talked about that Nat was taunting Drakov, and he starts punching her. He, like, uses his ring, like we mentioned before, to sort of unlock the console that controls all the widows and showing off how widespread his network is basically here we go here we go spy kids reference number two 
Okay. Who's infiltrated all over the world? Widows. Who oh else is gosh. infiltrated all over the world? Kids. Robot <laughs> kids. Oh, God. <laughs> it's the same thing. Is it, though? I mean, not the exact same thing. Anyways, so here's also as the fight with Taskmaster uh, and uh, Alexi. I like that we've identified, all right, the claws from Black Panther, shield skills from Captain America, bow skills from Hawkeye. And then he takes a knife and starts doing Winter Soldier knife moves, which I thought was pretty cool, too. But here's my question. He also has a sword. Who has sword skills in the MCU that we know of? I guess we see Clint later, like Hawkeye later, when he's Ronin, has, uses a sword. But that's before all of this. So I'm like, who's got a sword? I, don't, I can't think of anyone. I also noticed that it is true that none of the Avengers use a sword. But I'm pretty sure that TM uses a sword in the comics. So that's probably He does. Why. In the comics, it's uh, Swordmaster as a, like in the character who's like he's copied the skills off, who does not exist as of yet in the MCU. This is Katana. She's got my back. Be careful. Her soul steals something <laughs> of her victims, or however it yeah. goes. <laughs> uh, let's 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 forget Suicide Squad, <laughs> shall we? Flashback and Melina said, told Nat about the pheromonal lock, and that she has to sever the nerve to block her olfactor receptors, and so. She, like, hits her head on the desk to sever the nerve. Which doesn't make but any sense, but whatever. Drakov activates all the widows, and then Melina gets into the one of the rotors. Since she can't, you know, just bring them down into a landing protocol, she just destroys one of the engines, and they're now going into a controlled descent. This is what right. she calls it. Very so the widows go after Natasha... Taskmaster still fighting Alexi, but Melina helps, and they get like Taskmaster into one of the cells. The widows arrive into Drakov's office. They're attacking Natasha. She's completely overwhelmed. She holds him off fine at first, but she gets overwhelmed. I appreciated that for both this fight and then the fight against TM later, that yeah. Black Widow wins not just by beating her enemies into submission, which a lot of superheroes yeah. do, but by figuring out a way to solve the problem with intelligence I rather mean, than punching. She is the spy, not the soldier. So yes, that makes sense. Can't help but contrast this with the Captain America Winter Soldier elevator fight, where he's also outnumbered like eight to one, but just beats everybody up. Yeah, he's the soldier. So that's well, I like. His no, I'm saying I, I like this better that it shows that our hero is not invincible and doesn't win every. That's fight. true. Well, I, I always mean, she also doesn't right. have the super soldier serum. Okay, yeah, but there's other action heroes who don't have any serums at all, like various. Characters played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, who yeah, win every fair. fight yeah. anyway, and it's boring. Yeah. Yelena attaches all the vials to a smoke grenade and throws it above Natasha. So all the widows around Natasha who are beating the crap out of her get freed from their programming. And so that she and they're asking her, okay, what now? Is it now? You can feel free to choose whatever you want to do. So they go, they leave. Natasha runs from an explosion and jumps out the window, swings down into another hallway. Alexia yeah. and Melina are escaping. They get into a jet, but then the part of the platform that they're on crumbles beneath them. So they take off and then come back to try to rescue the girls. Right. So this is the big everybody falling that was in all mm -hmm. of the trailers. Yep. It's like a CGI extravaganza. <laughs> it's barely... I sense that you were not as amused. In terms of how I was feeling about action sequences, I was more excited by the plane scene in the beginning than I was by this. Okay, this fair. just didn't feel so real. You know, that's a fair all. criticism, yeah. But yeah, so as Natasha's running away, she ends up in front of Taskmaster's cell and frees her. And right as about they're about to square off, an explosion separates them. 
And Drakov is escaping. He's being led by some troops to a jet. He gets inside the jet. But Yelena runs after them, gets up on the wing, and throws her staff into the rotor, and which blows the jet up. We see Drakov explode this time. A very boring death for a rather boring character. (laughs) Okay. And Natasha jumps after her with a parachute in hand, gets the parachute around Yelena, but sees Taskmaster coming after them. They have a mid-air fight, and as they're fighting, she pulls Taskmaster's chute. They land on the ground or continue to fight. Natasha does some moves to get the the helmet off of her, sees a vial of counter-agent nearby, and doses her with it. Taskmaster, who I guess we didn't, we never addressed it. She's played by Olga Kurilenko. Like I, I know I mentioned her at the top, who the, in the top, but, but yeah, that's Olga Kurilenko underneath the helmet. Right. So once again, Black yeah. Widow wins using the I wanted to say the delousing agent using the agent <laughs> instead of beating the enemies into submission. I would have liked it if they had done that once, but doing it twice in the space of about ten minutes, I'm not really the biggest fan of. I also yeah. thought it would have been kind of funny. If Taskmaster was like, well, you still blew me up and turned me into this, so I still mm. want to kill you. <laughs> but the fact that yeah. she became sort of good means maybe she's not going to be a villain, which is disappointing. Taskmaster's a great villain. I would I, like her to come back. I mean, she still could. I mean, we don't yeah, know, really. Good. Like, yeah. Natasha finds Yelena, apologizes for not coming back for her, and like says that, you know, our family was real to me too. And that's when Melina and Lexi find them. We find other Ross is finally getting there. Finally. Yep. Natasha says she'll hold off Ross so they can get away. Yelena gives Natasha the vest that she will wear in Infinity War. And all the widows, other widows came back and take Yelena, Alexei, Taskmaster, and Melina. And so they escape in a jet while Ross's men approach Natasha. Before this, Natasha says, you go and I'll hold them off. Put in the ledger as the second thing that I hated almost as much as I hate inspired by a true story. I despise <laughs> okay. the you go and I'll hold them off cliche, especially okay. here, because she doesn't even do anything. She just stands there. Well, we don't know how she gets away. Well, we don't actually know if she does get away. Maybe she gets arrested and escapes later. Well, yeah, or that. So anyways, as I was saying, as soon as the troops roll up, they cut to black and we go to two weeks later where Natasha mm-hmm. now has the blonde hair and her look from Infinity War. And okay. she's on a motorcycle going to Mason. We find out that mm. she, he got her a Quinjet, and she's going to go and break the Avengers out of prison. So that's why I said this is the last 10 minutes of Civil War. So between where, after Captain America and Bucky escape from their fight with Iron Man, Falcon, Ant-Man, and Wanda are all you know locked up in the raft to about the end of the movie where we see Steve is breaking him out. So, is retcons at the now, apparently, Natasha. How else was he going to get to the raft? I don't feel like it was the kind of thing that needed to be explained. This scene felt like a Star Wars prequel where everything has to be wrapped up in a neat little bow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, she said, I'm going to go break some friends out of prison, is what she said. But I like, there's the like it ends with like the little Avengers theme. So, okay, I want to talk about that. Now, I am the sort of person I like ambiguous, creepy, unsettling endings to movies. Okay? I'm sorry, what? So, like, 
I, I used to watch a lot of X-Files, and the X-Files okay. often ends with what my siblings and I used to call a do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do Twilight Zone kind of ending, yeah. where it kind of looks yeah. like the monster may not actually be dead. Now, we go into Black Widow movie knowing that Black Widow dies later. So oh, here we go. it's like watching someone knowing their inevitable fate. Okay? So at the end, when she gets on this jet and flies away, I sort of felt a little melancholy. We're not going to be seeing her again. She's flying off to her death, effectively. I mean, maybe not directly. Well, after a long time. <laughs> Five well, years. Not, not so long. Five but years whatever. in between. What I'm getting at is I would like the movie to have ended on, instead of a triumphant, more of like a unsettling, more darker side. But that's my personal preference. So, yeah, for no, example, no. just consider it, okay? I'm not saying you have to agree with me. Just consider she flies away, the Avengers theme plays, and then it switches to like a brrr, brrr, like a like a dirge kind of music. One one option is the camera pans and it shows Red Skull with like the hood over his head, like the one from uh, the the planet with the Infinity War, right? Don't tell you about the place with the cliff. Mm-hmm. And he's like just watching Lord her. Dear. Right. Or option two is you like hear like Thanos's like laughter. I don't know if he ever laughs in the movie, but something no. like that. You okay. know what it's like? It's like at the end of episode one when the credits are finished and then you hear Darth Vader breathing. That's what I wanted. Okay. This is the end of the movie, but it's there is the after credit scene. But I will say that I'm I would no, I vehemently disagree because this is you know, this is the movie we've been waiting for for Black Widow well fans of Black Widow have been waiting for for a very long time. And if you end it like that, it's just a terrible way to end the movie. You want a triumphant ending for this hero. Okay. Well, if you want a triumphant ending for the hero, then you shouldn't have killed her off in Endgame. That's my personal preference. Hey, I didn't like that they did that. So don't. <laughs> I'm not one who defends that end, like her ending. No, she deserved more and better. And she deserved to be in the big fight mm-hmm. at the end. So, no. Yeah, she really got kind of screwed hard at the end of Endgame, but we're not here to talk about that, so let's move on. <laughs> All right, so let's go to our after credit scene. And even though they don't, they don't say it, we get from context that this is after Endgame, where Anna, who's got a dog, and like he, like does her little... Like, we didn't even talk about it, like they have like a whistle, like, you know, one will whistle a certain t- two will back, and she's you know, mourning her sister. And then we find there... Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, played by oh god, what's the actress's name from El- Elaine Louise from Seinfeld. Thank you. Yeah, like the character has four names, the actress has three names. <laughs> I just can't get all mm-hmm. of them straight. Who we've met before in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, although because of the release order, we were supposed to have met her first here, and then she'd pop up again. I mean, she's pretty mysterious in both appearances, yeah. so it didn't really bother me that much, but. It sounds like Yelena works for her. She gives Yelena a mission to take out the guy responsible for her sister's death and shows her a photo of Hawkeye. Who presumably she's off to her Hawkeye for her own reason, not because she actually cares about Black Widow's death. That's my read. Okay, yes. I was like, no, Yelena, that would work on her. And I guess Val, yes, she's got her own reasons, I'm sure. And we will find I, out what those are in the Hawkeye series. I also thought when it showed the grave that it was going to be... Natasha's mother's grave, like they uh, finally found it. Interesting, yeah, no, but yeah, with that, that is the end of Black Widow. All right, shall we go into our quotes? I've got a few. So I liked when he was pulling his suit on and says it still fits. Mm-hmm. I liked when 
Molina was like, that pig could still survive another three seconds without oxygen. So what are you getting? Mm-hmm. Giving me a hard time about. Yeah, I like those. Uh-huh. I like the, a lot of Yelena's lines. like the, And here come all the terrible Russian accents. Great plan. I love the part where I almost bleed to death. Or this would be a cool way to die. And of course, if we have that, you have to have the, this is a much less cool way to die. Mm-hmm. But as a throwback to the first Avengers, I did appreciate her um, Black Widow's thank you for your cooperation. Yep. All right. Shall we go into our spy fact versus fiction? Okay. Take it away. I don't yeah. have any this time. As you mentioned previously, there were actual you know Russian sleeper agents acting as families in the U.S. The whole program was named the Illegals Program by the U.S. Department of Justice. And a bunch of them, I think it was 10 agents, were arrested by the FBI on June 27, 2020. The most infamous of those being uh, Anna Chapman. Wait a second. Was, was that uh, really in 2020? 2010. Oh, 2010. Did I say I 2020? Right. I, did, I yeah. think I said 2010. I'm going to mention it before you do that there is a spy museum exhibit about it. <laughs> there is. Yes, there is. And they have all of the handcuffs of the Russian 10, like all the handcuffs that were used to arrest all of them. Mm-hmm. That was a real thing that existed. And of course, the, the Americans was also based on a similar premise. From what I can tell, I'm, I'm reading from the articles in the New York Times about the olfactory nerve. The nerve is really <laughs> far back in your skull, so there's really no way to sever it by that. You know, like it, it'd have to go pretty far in. If you did sever it, it's likely that it w- would re- not regenerate to the same effectiveness as you know before. So probably after this point, Black Widow can't really smell so much. See, oh yes, I so pheromonal I- lock. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah complete fiction obviously but what interesting thing i found is that yes pheromones exist but humans there's really no evidence of any consistent or strong behavioral response to any human produced chemical pheromone so despite everything that you know whatever this you know perfumes and soaps sell you on the you know these pheromones will get, you know, make you more attractive to the you know, to other people or anything like that. No, it's that's not actually a thing. Even your own natural uh, body see. odor isn't attractive. That's too bad. <laughs> no, but it's not a actual consistent behavioral response to an to a human produced pheromone. The red room, so far as we know, does not exist. But there was a similar program known as Swallow School, where the Russians and this is throughout, basically from the 1920s on. They would teach Russian agents how to seduce and how to kill. You know, basically, it's similar to the Red Room. And a movie that covered a similar premise uh, was Red Sparrow with Jennifer Lawrence. They changed the name from you know Swallow to Sparrow. Yeah, I can imagine why uh, they would do that. <laughs> so presumably, they wouldn't be indoctrinated, though. Presumably, they would want to be there. Yes. It was not as brutal seeming. Well, I mean, it was still pretty brutal, but it was not as terrible as the Red Room, seemingly. I don't know. I'm not an expert on Swallow School. I mean, presumably they're not kidnapping people off the streets and mind controlling them, Mm, is what I'm getting at. One would hope. Maybe. I I guess we'll talk about it. Yeah, I guess we'll talk about it when we get to Red Sparrow. All right, so that's what I've got for Spy Fact versus Fiction. All right, now it's time for our ratings on a scale of one to 10 martinis. One is Avengers 1997. And 10 being a hypothetical movie we haven't yet covered. That's really good. How would we rate 
Black Widow. All right, go ahead. I liked it when I was watching it. Not everything worked for me. A lot of the family emotional stuff I felt wasn't really earned, especially because they hadn't been mentioned before. But it was a fairly standard Marvel movie, not too disagreeable in any one particular area. So I will give it six out of ten martini. As surprising, probably no one who's listened to this discussion, I'm going to give it a higher rating. I really like this movie. I thought it worked really well. I like the family drama stuff, and I, all those moments worked for me. I really like Yelena, and I'm excited that we're going to see more of her in the future of the MCU. In terms of the spy action, like, well, I mean, the action was good. I, I liked the fights. I liked even the you know CGI explosion filled ending worked for me. I, you know, I granted that it was not it was not as grounded. The movie that this of in the MCU that this reminded me of the most of was Winter Soldier, which is I think my favorite of the MCU. So this earns high marks because of the similarity and tone of that. I am a fan of Black Widow, and I've been waiting for her real like moment in the spotlight. She's always having to, to you know play second banana to first Iron Man, then Captain America, and now you know gets her moment in the spotlight. And I thought it you know it worked really well. So I'm gonna give this an eight out of ten. Great. That is it for this latest dead drop. Stay tuned for later this week. This week's episode is Mission Impossible for the swing in sixties spy the show, cinema. not the movie. That's correct. Yes, the show, not the movie, the classic one. And that will return us to our usual Swing in 60s Spy Summer. Thank you to our audience for joining us. You can find us on social media at the Spy Fi Guys under Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Zach. And I'm Christian. And we are the Spy Fi Guys signing off. Thank you for listening to the Spy Fi Guys. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. The theme song from this podcast is Mistake the Getaway by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Films, books, and television shows reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.